The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to the 249th episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. I'm glad we can record now. Sometimes it always doesn't line up perfectly but we have a little bit of a breather um you know no games monday and we could think and digest and get ready for the conference finals yeah um when do so tuesday night we're recording like you said monday the 15th tuesday night is lakers nuggets but then it's every other night right uh like there's no eastern conference finals on tuesday night eastern conference finals is wednesday night is that correct i believe so all right so i guess where do you want to start, Zan? We probably should start with Game 7. The great Game 7. We were hoping for four Game 7s. We only got one. We got one. That's right. Uh, and it late- was, you know, it's the reaction, I think, is pretty hardcore based on the last, I wouldn't even say the last game, the last half. Wasn't it tied? Just the third, the third. It was, yeah, it was a three-point game at half. So Sixers, Celtics, Celtics are up three at half, and then the Celtics outscore the Sixers 33 to 10 in the third quarter, blow it wide open. Uh, just a just a tough look all around, I would say, for the Sixers. Uh, you know, up 3-2 at home with a chance to close out the game. They're up two with four minutes to go in game six and just could not, couldn't close it out. And then, you know, Tatum goes for 51 in game seven, breaks Steph's record that stood for, you know, two weeks. And I, I think, you know, the, the big story here is I think the Sixers are a bigger story, in my opinion, just because of like kind of the change that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like we kind of expected the Celtics to win this series. And it's just I, I am totally blown away by what we saw from the Sixers on Sunday. I, I, I will say that right now. I, and I expect yeah, you lose. came in hot. You were ready and chomping at the bit to record because I, and I think you're right just to set you up because Boston is. Denny Green says, you know, who we thought they were, you know, they're a very good team, you know, eight out of 10, nine out of 10 type team. And you I know, mean, they were the be- they were the betting favorite on BovadaSportsBook.com before the season started to win the title. And so I, I think that just the fact that like the Bucks got eliminated, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, they're the favorites today as well. So, yeah, like you said, they are who we thought they were, essentially. Yeah. And so it's like that's sort of the bar. Like can't, to win a title, you have to be better than like the Celtics, which is possible. Obviously, we've seen teams do it. Um. The Sixers, I thought, were a more interesting story just because, like, what exactly are they? Are they a title team? Are they a team you want to blow up? So where do you land now? Boy, I don't know, honestly. I I was really hot on Sunday, not because I'm a Sixers fan. I just, as a as a person who, like, enjoys good basketball, I, I, I would say Philly's, Philly fans have really annoyed me over the last couple of years, the whole process thing. But as you guys know that, you know, the first year of the process, I worked in the Sixers organization, so... You know, I've been there since the start. I certainly haven't been there in 10 years, so I won't claim to know anything that goes on there. But 
Are you taking credit for the process? No, I'm not taking credit for it. Uh, I just shuttled a lot of good and bad D-League players back and forth from the Philly airport to Delaware. But Well, I, I, you know what? I think you deserve credit because I think, you know, the Sixers and Sam Hinkie saw you and they're like, this is our organization. Like, we can't win with these guys. No, no, I I came in the same year. But so, so, uh, but I, I, I will say that like for years and years and years, it's always been like, all right, like the Sixers have this bright future. And so now five years in a row, uh, they've lost in the second round four out of the last five years, lost in the first round a couple of years back. And it was not healthy. I think Simmons was hurt, too. But and then this year, I think the Celtics had been the better team in the series. Like we talked about, it easily could have been a sweep, right? The Celtics played the end of game one. Absolutely. Like out of their minds. Then in game four, they have a chance to win. They don't call a timeout. Sixers win in overtime, like easily could have been a sweep. Mm-hmm. Sixers end up going up three, two. I, I just feel like. Everything that I've ever said about Joel Embiid on this show, and I've gotten very a- animated about Embiid, Zan, I-, I-, I ultimately feel like everything I've said about him in Game 7 was proven correct. Like, he just isn't... I don't want to make sweeping generalizations about one game, but like I just don't know if he's the guy. Like, I understand Harden was not good in Game 7. He was horrific, right? You know, Tyrese Maxey, not great in game seven. Tobias Harris, not great in game seven. Like, that, that that's the problem. But, like, those guys got them to a game seven. They, shit, they got them to a game six to be able to close it out. And, like, you're the MVP, right? You're, you you want everybody to acknowledge that you're as good as Giannis and Jokic or even Jason Tatum. And, like, you know, we just didn't see it. And then for him to show up in game seven and, and have 15 points, he was, like, five for 18 from the field. Him and Harden combined for more turnovers than made field goals. Like, you just cannot do that. And have any, I think, any sort of like leg to stand on. And it feels really bad because it's like everybody always talked about like all all Embiid cares about is winning MVP. Like, does he care about winning? Does he care about winning? And like in the second half of the game on Sunday, Zan, that guy couldn't get up to the level of a ball screen one time. He just let Jason Tatum go over ball screens over and over and over again and just take wide open shots. Like could not pick up Al Horford in transition. And I get it. He's injured. But this is who he is, right? He's always injured. Like he cannot make it through a playoff series healthy. So, like, at what point do we just look at ourselves in the mirror and say, like, look, man, he's had James Harden. He's had Ben Simmons. These weren't good fits for him. That's fine. They're not alphas. But, like, you don't get to just get Giannis or get Jimmy Butler. Like, you, you, those guys don't well, exist. they had Jimmy Butler. <laughs> right. And he's not there um, anymore. Why? why? Right? Because they picked Tobias yeah. Harris. Oh, okay. If Jimmy wanted to stay there and play with Embiid, you don't think he'd still be there? Like, I'm right. just saying. I mean, I understand. Like, uh I don't know if you remember this. When Embiid won the MVP, I said on this podcast, go listen to the tape, which I'm sure everyone's going to go back and check. If we had a good producer, we would just play the audio. Yeah, that would be smart. But we don't. (laughs) I said, be careful what you wish for, because now the expectations are raised. And if you fall short, like you're going to get even more heat than usual. And it's funny that he like tried to avoid it. He's like, oh, there are other people who lost. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And he said Boston either. He said Boston's the best team in the league. Like his quotes after the game were, Pathetic, in my opinion, but we but can here's here's like a stat for you, courtesy of ESPN. Joel Embiid averaged 33 points in the regular season and 23.7 in the playoffs. That okay. drop off minus nine is the largest by any MVP in NBA history. Yeah, and you know, I I think that it is okay to say that he's injured. I think it's okay to say he fought to come back from that LCL sprain faster than he could. Faster than he, he he probably should have. But at the end of the day, like, if you're playing, this is not, this was not an isolated incident, right? Like, game three against Brooklyn, he 
just looked like he didn't want to be there, right? Had a big block late, but like didn't want to be there. Game four, end of game four at home, Harden literally bails him out. PJ Tucker gets an and one, screams in his face to like wake up, but like Embiid like shook, didn't didn't want the ball, like doesn't want to score it. And then all of a sudden, like game seven, Sunday, they're getting a ton of they're getting a ton of good looks out of ball screens, right? PJ Tucker, 11 points in the first quarter. Like who would have seen that coming? Tobias Harris gets a nice couple nice mid-range jumpers, like some stuff in transition. And then all of a sudden it was like Embiid was like, I, I don't know if it's like he didn't want to get the ball or they, you know, the coaching staff changed up what they wanted to do. But then all of a sudden, like he just starts posting up every possession instead mm. of setting ball screens. And so I think that's some on the coaching staff for sure. But also like some of it's on Embiid. Like you have to recognize like you guys are getting good shots. Like just because Marcus Smart is on you, like you, you are not the type of guy who can just take the ball and go through somebody's chest. Like you, your, your face up game's not working. You weren't really making jump shots. So like, do other things, right? Like short roll once every now and again and try to get somebody a shot. Stay in ball screens and let James find shots for guys. Like they totally went away from that. And then, like I said, and I just, I truly felt like he didn't want to be there on Sunday. And it's not that I think like he's not tough enough or like he doesn't have that dog in him or whatever it is. Like I just, I just don't buy Joel Embiid as a reliable guy. Like it's fine. And you've said this about Harden for years, right? Like super reliable in the regular season, great regular season player. Again, he came up short in a game seven. Yeah, he had games one and games four to get him there, but he was terrible in game six and seven. Yeah, and in his stats weren't below his average, even when you hit those big games. And I think if you're a Sixers like hater and you're just fed up and you're done with this team, and I've seen a lot of Sixers fans like with that Man. frustration because it's been a while. So WIP 94, 94.1 in Philly is an old school sports talk radio station, one of the few in the country that people probably care about anymore. And it has been an absolute morgue on the airwaves today, Zan. Like, well, let me give you that the, the confirmation of that is: look, this is not new. Harden gets worse in the playoffs for his career, a little worse. Embiid, same thing. So, and then to your point about you know point differential is important. If Daryl Morey was here, he would agree with that off mic. And so, close wins are kind of considered more fluky. So right, they won game one by four, a little luck they, for sure. They won game. four. One by four points. They won game four by one point. Yep. A little confusing phrasing there. But and then Boston, meanwhile, one of these games won by 34. And then another game they won by 24. They won multiple games by 10. So it's just like the point differential was not close. No, and I and I I don't know this off the top of my head, but if we went through like, you know, shot quality and like expected points, I would imagine Boston won most of the games in the series. I I don't know if they did or didn't, but but let me give you the opposing argument, because this is where I kind of stand, actually. I'm going to be a Sixers apologist. I actually am on this train, too. <laughs> and <laughs> a doc okay. apologist, too, because yeah, this I, is my argument. is like, good job. Uh, look, you hate on Embiid. Maybe you shouldn't win MVP, but he's he should have been two or three. He's right? really good. Really good yeah. player. I mean, just because you theoretically were one spot too high in MVP does not mean you're a bad player. No, so and if you I, can't I, I win the think... title with the guy who was deservingly second or third for MVP, who can you win with? Right. I agree with that. That's totally fine. Maybe just Jokic. I don't know. But and then also maybe, you know, Boston, we're saying I'm saying an eight out of 10, nine out of 10 team. Maybe there's really, really good. And if Boston, I think a lot determines I just posted this on Reddit. My reaction to the Sixers is going to depend a lot on what Boston does from here. Because if Boston rolls through Miami and wins the title, then you look back and be like, look, the Sixers lost to the best team in the NBA in seven games. So they were probably a top five, top three team. It was just I, like, you know, they got unlucky because the matchup. I said this to my friends this morning, actually. Not that you're not my friend, but we weren't texting about this specifically. <laughs> but 
I said that I thought that I think you can fire Doc if you want. I, I would imagine, you know, on Bovada, he, he's probably an overwhelming favorite to be fired. But I think he did a pretty good job. This was they won 54 games. They were playing really well down the stretch. He got Harden to totally buy into a role that I, I don't know that people expected James Harden to want to buy into. Tyrese Maxey got better. They had a pretty strong rotation uh, other than, you know, not being able to get McDaniels in the rotation late. But I get wanting to change the voice in the locker room. But I also agree with you, Sam. Like, this was one of the few teams that I thought really could win a title. Now, if the Lakers win the title or the Heat win the title, then we just right. don't know anything. We just don't know anything. Well, if Boston struggles against Miami, even if it's close, and then loses but, in the finals, then you're like, okay, wait, maybe Philly was really but, far. But we, but we talked about this before, that we thought, you know, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, definite title teams. And we thought Denver and then maybe Golden State were the the five teams, I think. And then, like, Clippers at full strength. We had a couple other caveats in there. But, but truly, for this season... We thought the three teams in the Eastern Conference in Denver were, were very clearly title contenders. Yeah. Like and if so, there was a BCS committee, you would rank them in the top five probably. Correct. The the and so like for me, if you want to fire Doc, that's okay. But you probably need a personality manager. And so who are you hiring if you fire Doc that's going to go in there, totally understand? Because as, as critical as I've been of Joel, and I, I think his effort level is what angers me the most. It's it's not so much like guys have bad games because like I've defended Harden for years. Like you can have bad games, but it's when you don't play well, you don't execute what you your game plan probably should be. I, I get so mad when people scream and yell about what a great defender Embiid is. And then we watch these games in big spots where he just refuses to do the extra work. Like he refuses to run back in transition. He refuses to not sag on a ball screen. Like, and that's what bothers me. But like, if you hire, let's say you hire Nick Nurse, like, do we think Nick Nurse is the type of guy that's going to be like, hey, Embiid, this is what we need you to do. And if he doesn't do it, all of a sudden you've got to clash with the coach, right? It, for, by all measures, it seems like the locker room is, is still in on Doc, right? It doesn't seem like he's really the problem, but he is also the easiest to replace, I think. And so yeah. if I was the Sixers, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would probably keep Doc and then I'd pray that Harden opts out of his deal because really? it's, I, it's I mean, not you that think I think he's 35. Replace that? Yeah, like I, I agree. You you probably can't get better, but if you're going to be better in the long term, and as you so succinctly pointed out this morning, uh, Joel Embiid is 29. We don't expect Joel Embiid to have much longer of a peak, right? I, we don't expect this guy to be playing like into his thir- like early 30s, at really high level. But Harden is old, man. Like he's just not the same guy. Like he doesn't have the same lift. Like yes, he is a fantastic basketball player who I thought should have been third team NBA All NBA this year. But you've got to figure out a way to get somebody a little more dynamic, I think, if you're going to figure out a way to win around Embiid. But the other issue is, like, you can't really trade Embiid, right? Like, what, what do you get back no. for Embiid if you try to move him? Like, you're building this team around Tyrese Maxey? I, I don't know. The options are either try to build around Embiid and blow it up, like, let Harden tell Harden to leave, like, get rid of Doc, maybe try to trade Tobias Harris. I don't know. Or just... Trade Embiid and see what you can get and then blow it up from there. But I, I do think they're more than likely to run it back. Although I don't know about Harden. Like I I think that's probably 50-50 if he's back. See, I, I would say, because yeah, I think Embiid being 29 surprises people just because we always think of them as a young team and think of him as a young player. They're a pretty old t- team now, right? Like Tobias know. Harris is close to 30, I think, right? Well, factor in PJ Tucker, their average age is probably over 30. Um in the lineup. I if Embiid was 23, 24, I would say, okay, let Harden go, turn it over to Embiid and Maxi and see what you can get. Um, but I I mean, if 29, he has like two or three years of being dominant left. I think you gotta roll it back. And I think also because I think there's growth potential on the margins here. Like 
There, de- there definitely is. I agree with this. Yeah. Like PJ Tucker, Sixers fans like, but I think you need somebody more dynamic in that spot. Somebody who could take a little pressure off Embiid in the regular season. Because at the end of the day, like you don't want Embiid having to score 33 points per game and go for this MVP you, campaign. Maybe it'd be better next year if he could sort of not care about that. Do you really and, think though, hold on, sorry to cut you off, Zan, as I yeah. do every single week, but like, do you really think that like his teammates didn't do enough for him to win this series? Like dead serious. Like mm, they got no, to no, game seven. I mean, like, but I, you wonder about him being looking lethargic from time to time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, 37 minutes a game. Like maybe he just can't do that. Yeah. Maybe I mean, we just we, can't sustain effort. That we long. screamed about this all year too. Like not to pat ourselves on the back, but it was like, do you really care if Embiid wins MVP? If you lose in the second round to Boston, like we, we mentioned this yeah. specifically. And this is, I think was a problem in Houston for Harden too. Like, you don't need to play 45 minutes to get 60 against Charlotte in January. Like you just don't need to do it. And so I, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. There is like, you know, Daniel, well, House. I, you, you, t- you mentioned the Jalen McDaniels thing. Cause we were both high on that acquisition. He never really got going, but in theory, if he could shoot decently, well, he's just a younger, more fluid guy. Like he, he needs to take that role. If it's not from, next year, then the year after. Yeah, from from PJ. PJ Tucker. Unfortunately, he is not under contract for next year. And so he didn't look. play well enough to get a good contract, which is maybe a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, that's an interesting one. Obviously, D'Anthony Melton was okay for them. He came up real small in game six, but I mean, I agree with you. Like Harden is going to be 34 when next season starts and beat is uh, 29. Tobias Harris. 30, be 31 when next year starts. Like yeah. you've got some issues here. And but I but I do agree with what you're saying. Like there are you are probably not going to be better than you were this year with Harden and Embiid. Right. If you think Harden can stay in shape, which I, I think he was like largely in okay shape, honestly. Like yeah. I, I think there's a difference in like Harden is like wearing a fat suit in Brooklyn or whatever, versus Harden's just a step slower than he was. But in terms of like running the offense, you know, he he is capable of doing that. If you can get him to, you know, commit, I think you can run it back. Um, and and I think also the other hope is improve at the margins, improve the rotation a little bit. And then, you know, because I think in a way we were talking about them preseason is like maybe they'll be the one seed this year because it was kind of lining up. And they were and they were close, right? They finished one they're, game back of Boston and like three of Brooklyn, I think. Or Brooklyn won 58 games. Or so um, not Brooklyn, yeah. Milwaukee, excuse me, Milwaukee. Yeah, they were a little back, but they could next year be the two seed, the, you know, maybe the one seed. Like maybe thinking that's more important, especially when you lose game seven on the road. I don't know. I, I just think they're in the mix. If you're a top five team, it's hard for me to break it up. I, you know, I don't disagree with you. I think unfortunately the nature of this business and then we should talk about boston just pure us like, okay um i think the nature of the business is they're not going to go into next year obviously with no changes so i would expect doc to get fired like i said don't know what the bovada odds are but i, I would be well let's see if we can find it because bovada i thought it was interesting we we remarked on this like how big of a favorite is boston going to be yeah, God, was we started like, at like minus 500. We against said Miami. Minus, I said minus 180, maybe minus 200. And I was like, man, that's kind of heavy, to be honest, because Boston and Milwaukee, like they play slow. They play tough games or whatever. Like Boston was like minus 500. Like well, what know, is interesting. that? It, it's evened out, actually, on Bovada, at least. It's gone down to 270, minus 270. Okay. I don't that, know if that seems that. that seems a little better. I uh, I sprinkled a small amount of money on, on Miami. I don't. When you think, got it at plus 500? Plus 440. Not bad. I just think that, like, Spolster is a lot better than Joe Missoula. And although I did think that, like, Missoula had some good moments in this series, um, obviously he just has much better players. And, and this is not a knock on Joe Missoula, right? Like, he is a 
he's 34. Like my, me and Joe Mazzula are the same age and he's coaching the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he's doing something right. But I do think like given Jimmy Butler and Bam and Eric Spolstra, like I just don't think you should be that humongous of an underdog. I do think they should be big underdogs. Don't get me wrong. I thought yeah. plus 200, like that's pretty heavy in my opinion for Eastern Conference Finals. But like Boston, I mean, like you said, at, at a certain point, like you, you probably do need to start having the Jason Tatum conversations like we did with Kawhi, where it's like, ah, you know, in the regular season, like he's good. We really like him. But like the guys had 51 in a closeout game after he got 46 in Milwaukee last year in a series extending game. Like I know he wasn't great in the finals last year, but like, man, it's a short list of guys you probably would take over Jason Tatum, right? I yeah, I agree. And especially with the youth and the durability. And and just the supporting cast is really good. Like any top ten player with a supporting cast, I think, would be title favorites. I did hear I was driving somewhere this morning and a guy called in and said if you switched Embiid and Tatum in the game on Sunday, that uh the Celtics would still win. And the host was like, I don't know, if you gave the Sixers thirty six more points, they probably would have won the game. <laughs> I just uh-huh. I, like Tatum's ability in game six to play as poorly as he did and then shake it off and make big shots in the fourth quarter when his team needed him the most. Like I know that he wants to be Kobe Bryant and everybody like loves to make these comparisons and stuff like that. But like, man, that was a big moment for that kid. I think in his career, because he had played awful in game. He had done other things, right? Like he had rebounded. He had passed the ball. He had tried to defend, but like games four five and six, like that guy could not buy a bucket on an open shot. And I think for him to make shots in the fourth quarter when they needed them and then to come out and pretty much carry them in the first half on Sunday when like Jalen Brown wasn't playing great, like Brogdon looked lost. Derek White looks like, I mean, it's just not a good series for him, but he looked like he forgot how to play basketball. I was really impressed with Jason Tatum, Zan. But it's interesting that we're having a repeat, you know, of last year's conference finals when Miami was, it's the same point differential argument. I just looked it up. Boston last year won 4-3 against Miami, but their point differential was plus 37, including two 20-point wins. So how much do you factor that in? Is that just Boston's nature when they get hot, they blow teams out, and then they lose the close ones? I don't know. But I tend to believe in the point differential thing. I think they're I think they're going to win the series pretty easily, actually. Yeah, I would I say, I think it's going to be like five games. I just think Miami, you know, punching above its weight. And I think Boston, you know, I feel like they thought Philly was like their big villain in this Eastern conference, just based on the way, like they were so excited to win that game and, you know, celebrating. I'm like, I think they thought this was the hill they had to climb past. And I don't think they, you might the same way. And hopefully that they realize like they have to, you know, take every game very seriously and come out and go up two Oh. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the one thing for Boston, they are an interesting team. Obviously, I would expect them to beat Miami. Like you said, they do have home court advantage now throughout the playoffs, which is big. Uh, I don't I really don't think that Miami is a great matchup for them. Maybe if Tyler Hero was healthy, we'd feel a little bit better about it. And Miami plays so hard and like they're just so locked in mentally. Also, by the way, we've been critical of Miami, but this is what three out of four mm-hmm. years in the Eastern Conference finals now, like went to the finals in the bubble year. Missed Eastern Conference Finals last year against Boston and Eastern Conference Finals this year against Boston. It's pretty freaking impressive. From a yeah, team the only like, clunker was the got swept by the Bucks that one year when yeah. it looked like they were just done. It's like okay, that's over. Miami's not, and, not and, contender and, anymore. You know they were what they were the one seed last year. They were the eighth yeah. seed this year, and I, I think it's really 
kind of interesting because, you know, obviously they do match up well, but I just don't know how much Jimmy Butler, you know, Boston has so many wings that they can throw at you. And, you you know, with with smart Derek White and Tatum and Brown, who can all guard Jimmy Butler, like the struggle for me is like, where do they get their points from? But they always score. So like, I don't, I don't really know what to do about Miami. I, I would assume they lose. Uh, I think Boston is very much the clear favorite to win the title uh, at this point. I would really like to see Denver as well as they are playing, uh, but I I don't think that Denver is like a huge favorite to beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. I don't know. No, yeah, they're not on online. Obviously, minus one fifty. Uh, I agree. Like in terms of the unknown, like uh, this whole playoffs has been a little surprising to me. I, I'm right or wrong. I feel pretty confident Boston's going to beat Miami. I just don't know about the Lakers. Denver series is because like the Lakers have just been like so good and so much better than same with Miami, I guess, but like so much better than like the stats say. And they look good. You know, like AD looks good at times, you know, looks great at times. Sporting cast looks confident. They really do look like the bubble team in terms, in terms of the formula too. In, except for the fact that they're not making jumpers. Like they're yeah. sort of playing bully ball, which will be interesting against Denver. Obviously I, I think, I full disclosure, I bet on Denver. Uh, I got him at minus one forty. I thought that price was pretty crazy. Uh, I think Denver's really good. Jokic is. I mean, we 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 certainly don't need to have any Jokic versus Embiid conversations anymore. To be honest with you, Zan, like we just don't. It's it's a over at this point. But what if he gets demolished by AD? Then like you know. Yeah. What if he gets demolished by AD? The conversation is Jokic versus Embiid, not Jokic versus AD. We know AD yeah, can be the best player. I'm not player really in the NBA. willing to to write it off yet because I. I, I want to see Jokic like needs to finish the job basically, you know, like he's so close to being the best player in the world. Yeah. And if he wins, I think it's a hard, you know, it's a real conversation. Like I said, I still think Giannis is probably the best player in the world. I, I think it's fun to watch LeBron, like try to not let anyone wrestle that title from him. But like, man, Jokic was so good against Phoenix. And yeah, I do think, I, in fact, I think he's only four wins away. Cause if they end up losing to Boston, it's just like, okay, Boston had a stacked team. You, you can't beat them. I want to talk, I want to make one more point about Boston for a second. Mm. Uh, one of the things about Philly that I think people here consistently crow about is like when they could have signed Jimmy Butler, they signed Tobias Harris and they spent the other money on Al Horford. Do you remember like Al Horford was like marooned in Oklahoma City with this yeah, huge contract like that like nobody wanted to pay? And then he comes back and it's like fountain of youth right in Boston. And he's like, again, a very good player for them. Like not an amazing player, but like, I don't think nobody can really guard Jokic, but I don't think we'd be like, if, if you're a Boston fan, like, I don't think you'd feel like, oh man, like Jokic is going to absolutely murder Al Horford, right? Like, I think you would think that Jokic is going to be much better, but like Horford is fine playing away from the basket, right? He's fine, like yeah. playing and the, the fact perimeter. that he can shoot like he makes shoot. bigs uncomfortable. And, but it's it's so interesting, and I think this is where building a team. And this is not a knock on Philly at all. It's just funny that like you know they had to ship him out of there and like give up a pick to do it. So like, but when you build a team, like there are certain players that like fit the style that you want to play and fit the culture that you you want to have, and like that is so important. And that is one reason why I really do buy into Denver right now. And I'm worried about Denver in the future because, like, I don't know that they'll be able to sign Bruce Brown, like, and keep him, right? But, like, Christian Braun looks like a nice fit. It's, like, it looks like Denver has that synergy, I think, that, like, we want to see from a team to get to that next level, right? Like, the Spurs had. Like, Toronto had that year with Kawhi when everybody had their role. You know, we kind of got away from that a little bit when the Warriors were just winning every year because they had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. But, like, 
when you are trying to build a team, like I, I, I like this Denver team. And that's why I think they're better than the Lakers, because I just think they have more defined roles. I think they have more depth. And then I think they're big and strong enough to bang with the Lakers, where if the Lakers don't have a discernible free throw advantage or like, you know, they can post up all the time. I, I think this specific team is better suited to beat the Lakers as, as currently constructed. And it wouldn't surprise me if this was an easier series than people realize. Yeah, I, I can see that. And then you've always made the point, like old guys going to Denver, it's not easy. Um, can LeBron, how effective can he be, you know, traveling a lot, playing at high altitude? I don't know. He, he seems superhuman, but still like he hasn't looked like his career is going to look amazing. I mean, if he wins the title again, He's a Hall of Famer. If he w- if he wins the title, he's a Hall of Famer. Like oh, I, mean, I talk I about he's... LeBron James, but yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Who no, are you no, talking Jokic. about? Jokic. Oh, Jokic. Oh. Jokic is a Hall of Famer either. I, oh, sorry, I I was confused for a second. I I, I thought I mean LeBron. What else do we need? Like if LeBron wins the title, like it's probably a real conversation that he's the best player ever, right? Like no, yeah, yeah, for sure. But my point was more like even if he wins the title, I don't think anyone's saying he's the best player right now, right? Because it's like he hasn't led them in the same way he did. Clean no, definitely back in the day. No, definitely not. A hundred percent not. Like he's he's not been their best player in the playoffs. I don't right. Do you think he's so? There? No, I agree. I that's what I'm saying. Like he he's looked like he had a big game six, but like he hasn't like carried them, and he hasn't no, looked like he's capable of carrying them. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the thing. Like you said, old guys going to Denver. I do think there's an interesting conversation for how they will decide to guard Jokic. I think we'll get to see LeBron on Jokic a little bit. I, I think the Lakers would be stupid to not do that. But Jokic is going to play in the perimeter. Jokic is going to post up and pull Anthony Davis away from the basket. And, you know, the biggest difference, in my opinion, between the Warriors and the Lakers was that Anthony Davis was so good, right? But in this series, you can't really, you can't really sag off Jokic, right? Because he beats you by taking space. He beats you by getting guys the ball. He can make shots. You can't really hug him in the post because then he just tortures you from there. So it's going to be a real interesting kind of way to combat how good Anthony Davis has been as a defender. I I think this is kind of going to show maybe, you know how like when Anthony Davis went to the Lakers, we were talking about like on the Pelicans, he was an overrated defender. I think this may actually showcase that a little bit, that he is not exactly the on the ball defender you expect him to be. And I think that might be the leaks for the Lakers in this series. And I hope foul trouble and the refs don't become a factor because that would be such a big difference if one of the two of them are in foul trouble. What about this? This might be slightly confusing. How big of a lock do you think these series are? Because you alluded to that maybe it'll be a blowout series. Uh, I don't know. Well, let me give you a scenario. There's four possible finals combinations, right? Two teams on each side, you know, is it, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Four factorial. Go ahead. Okay. So the most likely would be Denver, Boston. Yeah, definitely. If I say to you, you could either have as a bet Denver, Boston in the finals, or any other combination. And I take Denver. I take Denver. I take Denver, Boston. So you're saying the one combination is more likely than the other three. Let me say that, like, I I think there's like a, I don't know. I think there's like a sixty percent chance it's Denver and Boston, and then like twenty percent it's Boston and the Lakers. And 20% is Boston. I don't think it's 20% ha- chance there's a Heat and Nuggets. Honestly, that's probably like 10%. Gotcha. Yeah. I he, heat, Lakers is, heat, heat Lakers is probably like 1%. Mm. It'll be interesting. Any, any combination is fine. Not, not 1%, but I don't want to see the Heat Lakers again. I know. Lakers, it'd be boring, right? Lakers Nuggets would probably be, I mean, I'm sorry, Lakers uh, Celtics would be fine, in my opinion. It, it wouldn't be fun. It would just be big names, big rivals. Jokic, 
Jokic in the finals, I think, would be a lot of fun. And I think it would be very good for the league personally, because I do think there is this like conglomeration of people who think like Jokic is a boring player. And like, that just means you haven't watched it. Like the way that he plays it. Yes, it's it's kind of stunning. Like, how does he get as much done as he does? But he is so dynamic with the ball. It's it's like a different way to watch basketball. And I think I think we would have a very good time as a collection of fans watching Jokic. What, duel. what about this bet? I'm just looking on Bovada. So this Denver to win the series about minus one forty one minus one fifty. If betting just Western Conference Finals MVP, which exists now, you could get Jokic m- minus one thirty. So. I mean, it's almost guaranteed that he would win MVP, right? If they win, unless Murray goes, I crazy. guess Murray could go crazy, but yeah, it would be one of the two of them if they win. So I, I almost look at that just because it's like if you're I, saying you want to Murray, you want to, you're saying you want to parlay Denver winning the series and Jokic. No, I'm just saying like, is it better to bet Jokic MVP versus Denver if you get slightly better odds? I mean, or I, finals I MVP, know. same thing. Jokic plus two fifty. If they win the title, probably would be a good. It'd probably be a good plus two fifty for Jokic would probably be a good title. Yeah. Um, I do think, by the way, the Lakers deserve quite a bit of credit in terms of how they played against Golden State, and I think Golden State has some some real problems. We talked about this. I, I think they looked exhausted. Clay looked totally finished at the end of the series. Um, and the Lakers obviously are, you know, I thought Golden State was a bad matchup for the Lakers, but when you can't make any shots. And Steph can't do everything by himself. Like, obviously, it becomes quite a bit different. But I think the Lakers and Darvin Ham have done a very good job, in my opinion, of kind of like being very fluid in terms of how they attack things, right? You know, LeBron's going to play, you know, AD is going to play, and now you know Austin Reeves is going to play, right? Like, Austin Reeves is like that third guy. But they've done a really good job in terms of how they shuffle their lineup around. They've done a really good job in terms of who they've stuck with. And so I'm very interested to see what happens in game one. Because I, I, the Lakers, I think, have been the least likely to stay rigid in terms of what they do. And so it's been kind of interesting to watch that. And I think that's credit to Darvin Ham, you know, first-year head coach, to be able to say, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And so I, I just wanted to say that, that I think I've been pretty impressed with how the Lakers have kind of, you know, I would say changed and shaped based on how the series is going. I have a great bet I, I'm seeing right now. I don't know if you want to jump to this because coaching news is interesting. God, there's so many spots open, by the way. Yeah. Like Monty let's talk Williams. about coaching. Just flag something about John Morant, though, because I want to talk about it at the end. Well, let's talk about John. Okay. All right. Go with coaching. We'll do five minutes on coaching, and then you can yell about John Morant. Yeah. Okay. Just remind me of that bet. So coaching, I, I just thought it was interesting. It's almost more dangerous to be a coach in the playoffs than you know a coach in the middle at this point. Because Yeah. Monty gets like fired. like you have one bad game, and you're fired. Yeah. Monty gets fired. Bud gets fired. Guy next Doc, might fired. Get fired. Doc is probably getting fired. Um, I just don't get it. I the Lamonte one surprised me the most because it's just like new owner though wants to like new owner, but you think that Durant liked him, right? I mean, didn't he like Monty Williams? I, I I don't know if he did or didn't. I, I mean, I think most people like Monty Williams, but I also think that like Phoenix kind of got away from doing what they did. They used to run a lot of really good stuff on offense. They weren't really doing that anymore. Maybe they just felt like they needed it. I mean, Monty Williams been coached the year twice four years, by the way. So, but talk but, about coming in hot, Matashima. He's had the team for what half a year. A, he, a, he accosted Nikola Jokic. I know he makes a major trade. I think overpays. You don't, but steals the ball from Jokic, fires the coach, gets a new TV deal. He's just really like coming in on fire. It's like a guy coming to a party, and, like, jumping me. on the lampshade right away. 
Yeah, it's I, I mean, it's it's crazy. I'm not sure, you know, and then Shams just like his classic dick writing about like how what an amazing like job Phoenix is and how the future is really bright. And it's like, well, honestly, yeah, you have Durant and Devin Booker is amazing. But like, I don't know how amazing of a job. Well, it that, is, that's right? a great question, because it's like, let's say the opening, you're the hottest coach. You have Milwaukee. Giannis might leave. You never know. Giannis might leave in 2025, though. Yeah, that's fair. Philly, let's say it's open. Factor that in. Factor in Toronto if you're interested in that market. And Phoenix. How would you, where would you go? I'd go to Milwaukee first, for sure. Uh, And I understand that it's probably, ownership is tough in all these situations because, you know, Josh Harris is very clearly a businessman for the Sixers. He just wants to make money. Uh, He probably will let you spend into the tax, but I think it's got to be good reason with it. He's not going to get influenced by the fans. He's not a Philly guy. So like, it's not like he's like, we have to win, right? A Shibia or whatever is definitely going to get influenced and be like, yeah, sure. Let's spend a lot of money. Like at least for right now. Um, What we know about Milwaukee, Jimmy Haslam is not going to do that because that's not what he does. But I would rather go to the team that has Giannis and has Giannis for at least another year after this one. They have the best chance to go right in and win a title. Uh, Phoenix, I think, would be second for me. Maybe just climate considerations. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, And then I guess Philly would be third and Toronto would be fourth. Uh, Toronto's not a bad job. I I wouldn't want to pay taxes in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto, I mean... But it's not Toronto a bad and job. And Detroit. Uh, yeah, Detroit. The lottery is going to be tomorrow. I mean, that might affect that job. I'm really stunned, by the way, um, that Ime Yudoka jumped at the Rockets and didn't yeah. didn't think like, hey, let me wait. Because like he would have been a perfect fit probably for what Philly actually needs. If, yeah, if you really want to say like. About. And Quinn Snyder, like those guys, like they were smart to hire him early because these jobs are yeah, very appealing. And so like, I think what would be the most fun is that like, Bud goes to Phoenix and Monty goes to Milwaukee and they just like flip flop. But I don't know. And and here's the other thing. Like we saw that like Mark Jackson got an interview. Like you said, you saw Charles Lee got an interview. We saw like Borrego's back in the mix. So I, I really don't know. In my opinion, Nurse and Bud are two of the best coaches you could hire. Right. I think Monty's very good as well. Uh, I think he had a really tough year. I'm not sure kind of what went on with that. And I think he's kind of likely to be like, you know, maybe I want to step away. For a year and see what's out there but i really truly do think that like i don't know if we'll have a lot of outside candidates right because yeah it feels like the the sort of farm system has been depleted just because these top level coaches are switching jobds yeah like and musical like, chairs but it, at a certain point like bud is great like he if he wants to coach your team like you should be considering it you know what i mean like i i, well, I can't I, say i definitely like, do you want to hire was... terry stotts over mike buttonholzer you want to hire charles lee over mike buttonholzer i don't think so right if I was Monty or Bud, what I would do is wait to see the lottery, number one, if it, if it helps. But like, let's say San Antonio wins the lottery. I would be, you got to bite, maybe you don't have to be an assistant coach right away. But if you went to Popovich and said, look, let me come back into the fold. I'll take over whatever next year. And just like the stability there would be really appealing to me. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, I don't you want to try to win a title? You win a title, you're like a made man. Yeah, but you know what? You're like, not Gene, how much credit do you win for winning a title? Ask Nick Nurse. You know he's gone. Ask Bud, he's gone. And if I, so for me, in my personality, Bud, Bud being like, fired is one of the biggest jokes of all time. By the way, like I just want to throw that out there. It's just so so pathetic. Anyway, but cool. like I think you want credit for winning a title. So if you went, if I went to, so I always love rebuilds because you get a lot of credit for that too. Uh, but so if you like, if Detroit wins the lottery, who's the last cool. rebuild team that like? 
their coach is still there. <laughs> Brett question. Brown, fired guy. Brad Stevens, <laughs> but, forced out guy. Danny Ainge, fired. But how much more credit would you get for winning a title in Phoenix, a team that has never won the title, versus Milwaukee, a team that won two years ago? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I truly don't know. But you. So that's why I would go to a team that like would appreciate the title. Like, I think Phoenix would appreciate the title. Why wouldn't you just go coach a team that has the best player in the league who is actually like not a dick? Right. Like, Giannis, is is like, there anywhere to go but down? They were the they won the title and then they were one seed and that's fair. I still think Dallas yeah. might open up, by the way. Like I still think that's a possibility. I'm not I'm I'm like just waiting for that. All right, you got a John Morant take before we sign off? No, I just thought it was an interesting bet. Um will John Morant play a game next year? Yeah, because like look, what will the resolution do? There's a bunch of John Morant bats on this. All right, so so hit me with them. This is on Bobata, right? Yeah. So like by far the favorite minus 120 is a suspension of more than 30 games. Interesting. 30 to 40 games specifically, which seems I mean, you got to kind of hit him. You got to kind of like hit him in the pocketbook. Right. So a half year suspension, which is 40. Uh, yeah, th- but that's not even 31 to 40. So it wouldn't even be a half year Um, on the dot suspension for the entire season, 16 to one, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, they're just shooting in the dark. Like, yeah, of course, they just want people to wager. Right. So I'm like looking at things like one to 10 game suspension because really it's not a crime right he didn't break the law a one to 10 to game suspension is 80 to one he broke he broke the protocol the nba rules this is this this is the same thing we've talked about in the past like yes it is not against the law in you know like for domestic stuff we've talked about this before like if the charges get dropped like all right you're not liable legally but in the NBA, like you can get in trouble for that, right? But like, like guessing at like thirty to forty minus one twenty, guessing twenty to thirty plus one ten. Like you know what guesses. I think is a bad idea betting on what like an independent <laughs> arbiter is going to re- rule, right? Like I only do think a fine that, you could get one hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, he's. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, know. I mean, like, I don't know. Legally. Like they, they suspended him. So again, John Morant caught again waving a gun around on IG Live. Like, and I think it wouldn't be as big of a dish. As big of an issue if he didn't like go to rehab for it and like rehab for whatever was going on. Like as we haven't had, rehab, we haven't had all these things that like have gone on with John Morant. Like I think it wouldn't be such a big issue, but I do think the onus is now on Memphis to be like, hey, you need to protect your star. Like either this is the guy you're going to build your team around, or like this is a guy that like has no future, right? And so I think if you're Phoenix, obviously, you know he had like the ten game suspension or whatever it was, and he went to the Florida Rehab Center, um, and so. I think if you're Memphis, you really you got to try one more time, like really levy a punishment and be like, is you this what, though, going to I work think what's going to happen? This wasn't on the board. I think they'll bring the hammer down just for optics. 40 game suspension, whatever. And then Jazz going to retire. No. And then and go Memphis play in China. Be, Memphis will probably be fine with it in the same way you're saying like, hey, you know, um, he needs to learn his lesson. But I think the players union, he has thirty three million dollars salary next year. Can you really dock the guy $16, 17000000 million for having a gun? I, I just don't. I think it's, it's a weird like issue a, now, and I don't feel super comfortable making a ruling one way or making like a statement one or another because I don't I don't know exactly what the CBA says about this, but this is in the agreement about right. like, hmm. I don't know if it would be like a morality clause or whatever, but like, you you know, as well as I do, there are big rules about guns in the NBA right now. And so like, yes, it's the off season. That's fine. They they may file a grievance, right? I could see that the players' association is supposed to protect John Morant, but at the same time, like Memphis is also supposed to protect themselves. And like, you've got a guy that clearly has not learned his lesson. Like, just don't <laughs> go on IG Live, wave your gun around all you want, but like, do it on Snapchat or something. 
Although that probably gets recorded too. I, I don't, don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much of a gun culture. Like, no, I understand I, just, like owning a gun for protection, but like, you know, the it's slashing this is, it around. This is like so weird. Like, it's just such an odd thing. But like, I will say, you know, you could argue that it's a slippery slope, right? Like, you've got a gun with you all the time and something pops off. Like, yeah. you never know. Like, this is like when they remember when the Indiana Pacers had like a nightclub shootout. Like, you certainly or don't remember uh, who was the uh, Plaxico Burris shot himself, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, so yeah. I, I certainly agree with like Memphis being like, hey, we've already dealt with this. Jaws clearly broken the rules. Like, he clearly broke NBA protocol. Like, we need to protect ourselves. Excuse me, we need to protect him. And so, like, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I don't I don't really think I'd go on Bovada. I'd bet any of this. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, you don't feel good about betting on suspensions, but maybe you're running out of things to bet on. And you, you have yeah, that's gym. true. You just you just need to fire it into the abyss. So, all right, uh, we'll wrap it. Next week we should talk about Victor. Next, it's tomorrow. I mean, right? So the draft the draft lottery is Tuesday night, so we can talk about the draft lottery uh, when we go on. Next I did. Week. I will give you this preview. I did write a call, a post on that. I'll post tomorrow probably. The best. If I was Victor, where would I want to go? And there were two clear number one and twos. Do you want to guess them? San Antonio. San Antonio was one. I don't even know who else has like really good odds. And the odds weren't didn't factor in, but I said Dallas just because. Look, if oh yeah, Dallas Luka, would be fantastic. Uh, if Dallas wins, we might get some real good NBA rigged material. Yeah, it's just like, hey, like, how rare is it a chance to have two guys who may be like top five talents in the NBA together? Young guys too. Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Does that count? <laughs> anyway, count. all right. So he is Dan underscore Markel Folds and Nerlens Noel. He is he is Dan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. All right, yeah, that's right. You yeah, can email the show Zandrigelson uh, at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Dan, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.